0: hello and welcome back to pastor pete's podcast um we are now on episode 10 of our walk through the book of james in the holy bible uh, but uh, if you haven't read up to that point uh, you can just join us anyway and and listen in and perhaps get get back in and, and reading the word of god anyway um i digress let's let's open up with prayer so we can um uh, open our hearts and our minds to having god direct us and teach us and 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 join us as we are are learning more about what he has to say in in his holy word in the the book of james anyway I, i guess i'm being uh i'm repeating myself anyway let's let's pray heavenly father i'm just so grateful for all that you've given me I'm grateful for this ability to reach people through the podcasts, and I'm grateful especially for your son who made all this possible. Lord God, I pray that what I have to say is what you would have heard. Lord God, that all I do would be uh, to glorify you, to bring people uh, a stronger foundation in your kingdom, and to draw people closer to you. In the precious name of your son, Jesus Christ, in his name we pray. Amen. Alrighty, so last time, or remember where we are in Chapter Four in the Book of James. And the last time we saw that or we learned that that God desires us passionately, that He desires us w- with with uh, jealousy. Um, that he's a jealous God, and not in the sense that uh, we we see jealous as being, you know, this green-eyed, bad, covetous thing, but in a jealousy that means he's passionate for our hearts. So he he doesn't want us to put other things before us, and we know that from both Old, Old Testament quotes as well as what James says here. He also tells us about uh, asking for the wrong things, um, fighting and quarrel amongst us. Uh, um, we, we desire the things that, that we we shouldn't be desiring, um, that we should have our mind fixed on God um, anyway, and, and that we should, uh, when, when when we're prideful in what we do, he opposes us but he, he gives favor to those who humbled themselves before him. Well, um, we want to pick this up in, in the same light um, uh, in verse seven, uh, verses 7 through 10, where he says to us, James says, uh, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Well, okay, so we're going to submit ourselves to God. And of course, resist the devil and the devil will flee from us. So in other words, we have this authority, of course, that God has given us. We see in Matthew, where it says, I've given you all authority to stomp on snakes Trample on snakes and demons and uh, uh, and scorpions. Uh, we have that authority, so we have the ability to resist. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside us, so we can resist the devil, and when we do so, the devil will flee from you. Now, does it mean sometimes we have to resist harder than others? Yeah, definitely. Remember, the devil is a powerful being, but we have the Holy Spirit. We have Almighty God inside us, and he gives us the ability to resist, and he gives us the ability to rebuke and, and the authority to, to, to send away. Well, he moves on, and other versions say, uh, submit yourselves, therefore. But James is telling us that because of what he pre- previously wrote in verses 1 through 6, we need to do this. We need to submit to God and and, and again, resist the devil, as I had just said. But in verse 8, other verses will say something like draw instead of come. Both the meaning and the intent is the same uh, whether whether you know we use the word draw or come draw draw near to God or or come near to God it's, it's the same meaning. It is interesting that this requires an action on our part for God to respond to. well, that comes the question does that does that mean that God won't come to us unless we come to him first? Well, if that's what we think, then salvation has no meaning, right? Because he came to us first. He came to us when we were his enemies and 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 gave his life for us. Now, we must see that what James is saying is that he's telling us that God wants us to pursue him. Uh, remember, Jesus told us in Matthew verse, uh, Matthew chapter six, verse thirty-three, "But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well." So, think about that. When you're, when you, if your, if your heart is to take one step, clo- just one step closer to God, He's right there. He's going to come right there to you. But he wants you to make that choice. He's given us free will and the free will, the free will argument is not for here. We can discuss that in another venue or another time. But let's just assume that we do have free will. He has given us the ability to choose him. And that's what he's saying. Come near to God. Choose to take the step towards God. And he's going to be right there. He's going to come right there to you but he still wants you to make that choice. He wants you to make that choice. And in making that choice, we'll be submitting ourselves, we'll be resisting the devil, and we will be drawing close to almighty God, our loving father, our the creator of all things. So that's what James is trying to tell us. Uh, then he goes on and says, wash your hands, you sinners, purify hearts, you double-minded. So let's take a look at that for a second. James I think there was referring to what the Jews and the Pharisees did before eating and entering the temple now remember okay well uh, let me let me go let me go to the, the the scripture in Exodus Exodus 30 verse 7 the Lord said to Moses you shall not make a basin of bronze with its stands of bronze for washing I'm sorry you shall not you shall also oh I blew that one didn't I sorry you shall verse 18 you shall also make a bra brown- Basin of bronze with its stand of bronze for washing. You shall put it between the tent of meeting and the altar, and you shall put water in it, with which Aaron and his son shall wash their hands and their feet. When they go into the tent of meeting, or when they come near the altar to minister to burn offering to the Lord, they shall wash with water so that they may not die. They shall wash their hands and their feet so that they may not die. It shall be a statute forever to them, even to him and to his offspring throughout their generations. Well, wait a second. Wait a second. Whoa, 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 whoa. Jesus said in Matthew fifteen ten, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, "Listen and understand. What goes into the sinner's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them." Well, wait. Do you, is he? Is there a contradiction here? Because it is, remember, in the same passage. Jesus is confronting the Pharisees of their hypocrisy and explains that their hearts were what desired and not the letter of the law. Remember, God's this jealous God that wants their hearts. So there really wasn't a contradiction there. When you think about it, okay, the the law was stating what needed to be done before entering into the presence of the Holy of Holies. Remember, they did not have the washing blood of Jesus Christ yet. They didn't have that in them yet. It wasn't that, that, that the need to do that wasn't yet fulfilled. Um, but the, but the, the Pharisees, the Pharisees took that so far. They didn't even see it as a heart thing. They saw it as this is a way that we can control the people with some sort of crazy law, not crazy. Sorry. The, the law was holy. It's not crazy with some, a uh, method of, okay, wash your cup before you drink it or or do all these things step by step by step so that you can be as good as them, as holy and as pure and as perfect as them. And Jesus was saying, look, that's not what this is about. He said, what you know, washing a cup is not going to make, just because you wash your cup, isn't going to make you clean whatever you drink. If someone is, is dying of thirst in the desert and he comes to a well, and doesn't think to wash his cup, does that mean that he's defiling himself up? Obviously not. But the Pharisees was trying to make it seem that way. That if they did that, what he was saying, what Jesus was saying is, look, this is hypocritical. You drink the water, the water is pure already, it's made by God. It's all you know, it's already sanctified, created by God. That's not what's gonna make you unholy. That's not what's gonna make it's what comes out of your mouth, your evil heart, uh the, the that's that's what's that's what defiles you is what that's what, what's in you is what defiles you what something what, what water created by God which is holy that's not going to defile you. and it's your heart about it it's your heart involved again everything is always about the heart genesis to revelation it's always about the heart if you ever wonder why this person got this response from god and this person in the bible got this response from god why were they different responses when they both kind of did the same sort of thing it's because god was looking at their heart it's always about their heart anyway uh i'm going to nail on that over and over again and probably in everything i teach in my bible study bible studies that i teach are always going to be talking about what is god telling us about our hearts Anyway, um, I said anyway too many times. Uh-oh, I'm being redundant again and again. <laughs> so it's not a contradiction. What it is is saying, look, when the people when the people go into the holy of holies, they need to make sure that their hearts are clean. Well, we can we already have a high priest, right? Uh, that that allows us to enter the holy of the holies without without having to, because we've been washed clean, because we are already clean, we don't have to worry about those sorts of things. We do need to seek God, and we do need to uh, ask forgiveness of sins, but in so doing, we get cleansed constantly, and we don't have to worry about those things. But James was saying, of course, again, in a symbolic sense, look, take care of your sin, get washed, get your hearts right, your thinking right, and we need to do the same. Is this? There's nothing time or cultural specific to that don't we need to constantly have our sins washed by presenting them to God and asking for our forgiveness and realizing it and allowing blood of Jesus Christ to wash us of our sins don't we have to do that don't we have to do that all the time get our minds right drawing near to God getting our hearts to all these things James is telling us and we need to be doing those things so while we're doing those things if we go to verse 9 James is saying, grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Well, is that a command from God or James to go around in a state of melancholy? <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's not like where, you know, my wife says, like being Eeyore's, if you remember Eeyore the Donkey from the Winnie the Pooh cartoons or, or stories, you go, Oh dear, tut tut, looks like it's going to rain. Oh dear, oh me, that's not that's that's not what he wants. That's not what James is trying to tell us here. He's telling us, remember, before in verses one through six, that the things we are gaining pleasure and happiness from are the wrong things. Remember in chapter chapter the earlier in the the chapter beginning of the chapter he says what causes fights and quarrels among you. Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have. So you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you do ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Well, what James is saying, look. If that's the kind of happiness you're getting, if that's the kind of things that, you, that you're, 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 desires, you're fulfilling your desires through these wrong thinking, then change that happiness to mourning. Cry. Change your heart. Be humble and don't proudly be defiant and take pleasure in what are earthly pursuits we can find. So doing, if we do that, we'll find ourselves in a state of grief and mourning over our own foolish behavior. Of course, God wants us to be filled with joy, but it's his joy, which is perfect, fulfilling, and justified by him. Verse 10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. It might also say, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Ephesus mine. both ways are true and valid. But if we read it that way, if we read it the second way, when we truly humble ourselves, there is a promise that God will lift us up. But if we look at it with the emphasis on the word he, it allows us also to understand that it will be God who lifts us up and not ourselves. We want God to lift us up. We're not humbling ourselves before the joys of the world. We're humbling ourselves before the Lord and allowing him to lift us up. A promise that he will lift us up while humbling and a promise that says that he the one that's going to lift us up not ourselves well when we went that that scripture also brings uh two old testament scriptures to my mind and uh probably as with most of the new testament writers they they go back to the old testament and these are two scriptures from the old testament that come to mind second chronicles 7 verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And then in Micah chapter 6 verse 8, there's a, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, to act justly and love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. That was actually a song that I learned when I first got saved so many years ago. Uh, What's the he has shown you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Man, that was awful. But. You know, if you want to blurt that out or just kind of fast forward through that section, go ahead. But you know what? God didn't think it was awful. So I'm okay that way. <laughs> well, remember, James had no time or any inclination for segues. So he goes on. He goes on in uh, in chapter. I'm sorry. He goes on in verse 11. He says, brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. And when you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Well, remember the other versions will use brethren. And the Greek word again, as I've said earlier in other podcasts, is adelphoi and other forms of that Greek word. So if we, it means both brothers and sisters, we have to again, look at the context of it does it mean gender specific, but there is nothing gender specific here. If we were to go gender specific and say it was for men only, for brothers only, we would assume that this was meant for them only. We would then have to assume that it is okay for us to slander female believers and speak against them. Really? Uh, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> Anyway, James continues to admonish us in stating that if we judge, we are speaking against the law, judging it, and not obeying it. Remember, Paul tells us very distinctly that while Jesus completed the law, the requirements of the law, the law was still holy, and the law remains holy. So we are not to judge it, right? Right. if we judge it, what are we doing? We're assuming the position of Almighty God, who He states here, and we know is the only judge, lawmaker, and Lord of both life and death. Life and death. When a final call, when a, with a final call, James asks, "Who are you to judge your neighbor?" Ooh, we know about judging, don't we? We're starting to get. I believe he's reminding them of what Christ Himself said about judging and how He expects us to treat our neighbors. Matthew 7, verse 7. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Truly understand. Now, remember, and I'm going to take a a second here to help you understand that judging is not the same as discerning. We are called to discern. We are called to, to be able to understand the difference between right and wrong what we're not allowed to do is place some sort of onus or some sort of of uh, um consequence on somebody else then we enter into the realm of judge and it's so easy to enter into that realm and to actually take something that god created as something holy like the law to sit in judgment of the law as james was telling us here That can be, that can probably be one of the worst things. Well, not the worst thing. It could be a really bad thing to do. And so, in so doing that, we have to be careful of what we're doing um, and not being judged because when we do that, judge, we'll get the same judgment against us. Anyway, Matthew 22 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Remember, they were trying to trip him up all the time. And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. Boom, he got that right. (laughs) They're saying, well, you got that one right. And then you can imagine, you know, I'm just kind of putting things on what they might have been thinking themselves. They probably said it with the Jew. Oh, well, sure, he got that one right, but, you know, he may not have gotten the next one right. Anyway, um, I digress, as I'm usually doing. Uh, he continues in verse 39 and says, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Wow loving your neighbor okay loving your lord your god all your heart and all your soul and your mind and then it says you love your neighbor as yourself so god and all things first then your neighbor your family your family could be your neighbor right i mean there's whoever's in close proximity to you could be your neighbor and then you love them in the same way that you would love yourself okay James finally wraps this section up again with no segue he says verse 13 now listen you know what i'm going to go back i'm sorry i need to go back because it's too important it's too important when he says but who are you to judge your neighbor and then he's talking about judging our neighbors we have a tendency to judge our neighbors. We have a tendency to want to point to other people when we should be pointing to ourselves. Uh, Jesus also says, why are you trying to take the moat out of your brother's eye when you have a, a plank in your own? All those things about loving your neighbor. Remember, there's another verse in the, John, the book of John where he says, this is how the world will love you, how will will know my love for you is in the way you treat each other, the way you love each other love heart heart belongs to god heart belongs to obeying and having faith and 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 opening your heart to god at all things and part of that part of that openness is loving your neighbor can you actually love your god with all your heart all your soul and all your mind and then treat his creation which you are a part of in a judgmental way I, again i'm not talking about discerning the difference between right and wrong i'm talking about pronouncing a judgment on them how can you possibly be loving god with all that and respecting part of that love is respecting him as almighty god creator your father how can you possibly give your heart totally to him and then turn around and pass judgment upon your neighbor and act in a way that's not loving towards your neighbor? You can't. You can't. Now, I'm not saying you gotta be perfect, but I'm saying these are the things that imitate Christ when when Christ died for no from for all the people that all the neighbors that didn't love him in the first place. And I'm not saying this is a reciprocal thing. God didn't say, only love those who love you. He said, love your neighbor, period. Boom. Whoever's in proximity to you, that's who you love. It's important to get that down. It's important. James was trying, again, James was had a short thing. And he was trying to get through the people, get through all that they've been taught. Why, why were they judgmental? Well, they were taught to be judgmental by the Pharisees, right? So that was what they were taught. That was how they were taught to behave. And that was their symbol of what is holy right that was their their, they were behaving like the pharisees taught them and jesus was saying that's why jesus got so mad at the pharisees because look you are not you're not teaching these people to be open and loving and giving their heart to god you're teaching them to judge each other and close their hearts to one another anyway i guess i got off on one and and i hope i'm not over preaching but but we also have to come to realize in order to actually conform to that we have to have the holy spirit inside us we have to have given our loves our hearts to god in the first place he gave us a way to do it it's through christ jesus and it's only through christ jesus that we can do that but we have to do that in the first place anyway come back to that more and more as we go along um james finally wraps up the 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 chapter with it with verse 13 through 17 he says now listen you who say today or tomorrow we go to this city or that city spend a year there carry on business and make money why you do not even know why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow what is your life you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes instead you ought to say if it is the lord's will we will live and do this or that as it is you boast in your arrogant schemes all such boasting is evil if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. So wait a second. We have to look at this again. We have to look at this with some common sense and thinking and understanding and allowing the Holy Spirit to reveal to us and help us to understand better. We might at first light think that James telling us is telling us that we should not plan for the future or make decisions on how to do business or live our lives. No, that's not what he's saying got to understand god is full of grace and god wants us to do things and wants to make choices but what he's also saying is our hearts belong to him we need he wants us to consider our plans before acting upon them it's okay to make plans it's okay to start thinking about these things but don't act on them Bring them to God first, because God might have something better. Or God, might—God, who's all-seeing, all-knowing, and outside of time, might think, well, you know what? That's all a great idea, but next year in Pompeii, there's going to be this big—you uh, uh, don't want to be in Pompeii, right? In 79 AD. Nah, I think I'm going to Pompeii. We're going to have vacation in Pompeii this year. Uh Rungo! <laughs> We all know the story about Pompeii, and if you don't look it up in your history, what happened to Pompeii uh, in the year 79. So, I mean, but God knew that was going to happen, but, may, but maybe these people didn't. And I know I'm taking an extreme example, and that's only just an example, but these are the kind of things. Bring God in first. The plans, find out what the plans said he wants for us. We kind of get caught up in our own self-aggrandizement. And and an idea that we know what is best for us, there's nothing new there either, right, that we even brag about it, or or in our pride, we decide what we do, what we're going to do, set it in motion, and then sometimes we'll ask God about it and expect him that he will approve of what we have decided because you know we are good and faithful Christians. We tithe, you know, all that kind of thing. You know, we, we come to church, we tithe, we pray, we uh, you know, we 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 say hi to the pastor and, and shake hands with his kids and and teach Sunday school and all those things. But, you know, of course, we expect that he will approve, because we do all these things, of what we have decided, and then we will and we'll fit God into that neat little package that we ourselves, us holy, holy Joes, as you want as an old saying would go, have provided for him. Isn't that nice? Well, has anything really changed? Don't we still think that way? Don't we still pretend that way? Still don't we think? Well, James slams it home in verse 17. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. He already explained to us in the preceding verses in this chapter that we should know the good that we ought to do and how to go about it and putting our plans before God first, before acting is part of that, Um, praying for the right things, not act, not, not behaving in a manner that's showing favoritism to others, all those things he's told us up until this point all those things are things that we know that we ought not to do and if we didn't know them we know them now right and if we don't do the things that we're supposed to do it's sin for us it's sin for them and it's sin for us um he explained it to us remember paul told us in romans chapter one we don't have any excuse well we don't we have no excuse God's told us, he's put it on our hearts, he's put it in the word, Jesus has taught us. We don't have any excuse. There's no excuse. Do the things we ought to do. Humble ourselves before God. Give him our plans. Love our neighbors. All those things, all those things are what we ought to do. And we know it, and now we know it. And if we don't know it, go back and read it some more and really get to know it well and make sure, again, we are opening our hearts to him. Um this is a good place to stop because we're gonna go into chapter five next time out. But I want to um I want to finish up by saying this. Look, if you're wondering is your heart right, if you're wondering if if you've never